Welcome to the Hughes of Leadership podcast, where we dive deep into the many prominent aspects of leadership. How does leadership show up in each of us? How do we seek to have a positive influence on the lives of others? Just like Hughes vary, so does how we show up as leaders and how we may flex different Hughes depending on the moment, the task at hand, or the individual or team we're engaging. What Hughes are you using today and which will you seek to further develop? I'm your host, DJ Minifee, a Chief Enrollment Officer and a leadership practitioner in higher education. And I look forward to diving into the hues of leadership with our guests. In season two, we'll focus on extraordinary, impactful leadership moments, specifically those that played a critical role in shaping the leader our guest has become or continues to become. And this season is also inspired by the book, The Power of Moments by Chip and Dan Heath, which focuses on why certain experiences have extraordinary impact. I highly recommend it if you've not had a chance to check it out. So where are we now? We're at the time where we introduce our amazing guests. Our guest is the founder and CEO of Accelerated Equity Insights, which seeks to create more diverse communities by removing bias in recruitment communications. Also co-founder and executive director of Accept, which stands for Admissions, Community, Cultivating Equity and Peace Today, and is a former board member for the National Association for College Admissions Counseling. Also a bit obsessed with Prince, let me give you a purple rain reference, uh, and is also an Aries. So without <laughs> further ado, let me introduce Marie Bigham. How are you doing? Uh, DJ, thank you. I'm thrilled to be with you today. Thanks. How are you today? I'm doing well, and I'm, I'm wondering if the, the audience will be caught off guard by the fact there won't be more Prince references throughout our conversation today, but at least we did a little bit of an intro to them. I'm going to try to weave in as many lyrics as I can. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> for our guests who may not know I, I still remember the first time i came in contact with you uh you were uh, actively on the, the national association for college admissions counseling's board and uh, i was a, a potential candidate for one of the vacant seats at the time uh, and that was the first time we got a chance to be connected and, and obviously then throughout the time with uh, except building so much amazing momentum um, and obviously just throughout the nuance of the higher education landscape. So it's it's so good to to know you, to be connected to you, uh, but also to be so blessed that you are willing to join us for this conversation. Uh, it's my honor. And I truly, I remember well, like our conversations when you were in the NACAC process for the board and just thinking, oh, we're going to be in such great hands when he's in that position. And just knew right away you were you were exactly what the organization needed at the right time. Well, I so appreciate those kind words and and hopeful that that the impact was there during my time of service. Sure. Um, and and look forward to seeing amazing uh, leaders that we both know and have been connected to continue to to lead the organization to a bright bright future. Absolutely. So when preparing for our conversation on powerful leadership moments, uh, you had a chance to share some some riveting and thought-provoking experiences to explore. And so I'm really excited for not only our conversation, but for our audience to be able to tune in. And so without further ado, I'm gonna dive in. So so right. let's start with the first leadership moment, which I am terming leadership is like surfing. So yes. what's the story behind that and, and what has been the impact on the way that you lead? So please take sure. the chance. Thank you. And I, I've been giggling a lot about that idea and I've been thinking a lot about my continual use of surf metaphors because I'm a Midwesterner. I grew up in St. Louis. There's nothing surfy about me. Only three years in San Diego. Still not a surfer. But during the early days of the lockdown, 
one of my things I got really into watching was surf videos and learning about surfing. I'm not going to surf, but I really enjoyed learning about it. And it's something that as we were talking about leadership, I had to put it this way so directly, except that it's something that really has been in my thoughts. So here's how I think leadership's like surfing. You can do a whole lot to prepare. You can do a whole lot to practice the execution But when you paddle out there, you don't know what's going to happen with the wave and you don't know what the wave is going to do. So all you can do is ride it where it goes. You can prep all you want. You can watch the satellites and see where things are brewing. You can have all the experience in the world. But at the end of the day, when it comes to execution, you don't have control. Where you do have control is your preparation, your wits about you your ability to make quick decisions and to keep going. And I hadn't put it together like that really until this last March, April, because of launching this tech company, Accelerated Equity Insights was very, very lucky to be selected to participate in a program called Tech Stars, which, because I come from admissions, knew nothing about. So to put into admissions parlance, Getting into tech stars is like getting into the very most selective college with 3% admit rate. And I, and I'm doing sure. But I was talking with a potential investor who has since become a very dear friend and, and confidant in this process of building a company. And he said to me, my gosh, it's got to be really hard as an entrepreneur to raise funds right now because, you know, it's the worst possible climate in startup to ever try to get investors. And I kind of looked at him and said, you know what? I, I don't know any different. I'm learning how to swim right now in choppy water. And so when I paddle out, I'm just going to ride the wave where it takes me. And if I can do that in this chop, then I'll be great when the water's smooth and I'm more prepared. And I kind of just blurted out of my mouth. And he later told me that that attitude was what caused him to want to continue working with us. So all that is to say, resiliency, focus, preparation, all of that, and you still can't be quite as prepared. All you could do is is let it go. And um, as we discussed, the last four months of my life have been kind of an example of that. And so I'm really grateful that that I can just ride the wave. Thank you for for reflecting on that, not only in terms of for the audience members that potentially would have an admissions and enrollment background and giving them some sense of, of how selective the Techstars program was, but also hitting on the themes of preparation. Uh, I've highlighted decisiveness uh, in terms of the ability to make decisions. Uh, and then the last one I wrote down, which isn't as succinct, but the willingness to keep swimming even against the tide, yeah. right? Because to yeah. your point, you're not exactly sure what you're going to face. You can put as much time and effort and energy into preparation, but once you get there, you still have to be able to to, to position yourself to navigate what is yeah. coming at you. So I really, I really appreciate that. I have a, um, a other thought I want to make sure I introduce. Just as I was listening, is this also thinking about how people are wired. Right. Because while some of us, whether it's in the audience or even here in this conversation, may have a wiring towards putting a lot of effort and energy in being prepared. There are others that aren't wired like that. And it may not be it's not a negative. Uh, Some can just hit the ground running and and they can just fly with it. And they are really built that way. And that's awesome. But just also acknowledging that that we are wired differently um, and and nonetheless, we'll always face things in life uh, that we aren't necessarily as prepared for. 
Oh, absolutely. I'm going to go deeper into this dumb surf metaphor. One of the things I learned about surfing is what creates a really great wave, something that's fun that you want to ride, is the stuff that's underneath the water that you don't see. It's the canyons. It's the coral. It's the stuff that's rocky and painful, but it gives you that great ride. When I think back upon those moments of my life, of leadership, of of personal life, whatever, upon the reflection, gosh, that was a great ride. But what is harder to remember is all the stuff that was underneath that people perhaps can't see that might have been a little rockier to get there, um, but it's all worth it at the end. 100% that, that aligns with just some of the curricular things I've been exposed to more recently in class in terms of just the iceberg metaphor in general, right? Like oh, yeah. Oftentimes, whether it's us as individuals or those that we collaborate with, work with, share space with, or those that see us from afar only see this portion of it oh, yeah. and to see everything else that, that comes along with it. And so, you know, when I think about the the success that you've had thus far with your, your startup, with Accelerated Equity Insights, the success that you and others have had with Accept, we don't see everything that has come into play yeah. and the work that has had to be navigated uh, to, to get to where those those organizations mm-hmm. are today. So fantastic. Thank you. I think so often about when people are called like the overnight success. You know, that was 10, 20 years of effort and work and strategy and failure and bouncing back that leads to that overnight success. We just don't see it. We, we see it when it's blooming, when it's blossoming, right? And like, oh my gosh, look how easy that was. We didn't see the decades that go into it. And I'm reminded of that daily. When I'm envious of someone's moment or whatever, I'm like, no, nah, that was harder than I know. Yeah, yeah, gotta have much respect for the journey. Yeah. So let's pivot and let's transition into the second leadership moment, which mm-hmm. we're terming the importance of community. So again, yes. reflect on the story and how has that shown up for you as you continue to develop sure. as a leader? Oh, my gosh. I haven't left the world of college admissions because of the community. I have from every kind of individual moment of my life, those things, I've built community from that. Community is incredibly important, and it's something that I seek often. And sometimes I've thought of it from a self-aggrandizing of my jobs to build community. But again, like this last, this experience of building this tech company, of being in tech stars of this last summer really demonstrated for me the importance of community. I think something that isn't discussed a lot in leadership experiences is the inherent loneliness to it, that You are singular in your position. This is why you are a leader. Now, like at your institution, you are a leader there and you have others who are in similar roles to turn to, but they're not living the same life you are. They don't have the same nuances that you have to deal with, right? I'm CEO of a startup tech company. I have my team around me and I adore them and trust them and love them. But at the end of the day, I got to be responsible for some things that I can't trauma dump on them or make them responsible for. And sometimes things that I have to process that I can't share with them for any number of reasons. So I was very grateful in that Techstars program to be in community with nine other companies and nine other startups that were focused on making the world a better place. That was a great part about my particular program. And all of our products were different. Our approaches were different. Our lives were different. Y'all, I was... 
something about the startup world. I am old. Um, and I mean that like no joke. Uh, I was 21 years older. Seasoned, seasoned. Season, yeah, you see this gray hair. I was Auntie Marie. And I at first thought, oh, I'm going to bring so much mentorship to these kids. The youngest woman in our group, Nicole Toole, graduated from college two weeks prior to the start of our program. Yeah, that woman mentored me more than anyone. So the, that importance of community, of people who are in similar this is a weird way to put it, similarly lonely positions, similarly singular positions, who you can bounce ideas off of, who you can find space with, who you can turn to for very technical things, but also turn to for just those moments of, I'm having a really hard time right now. And could you lend an ear or a shoulder or an arm? That's amazing. And um. I could, this is, I'll, I'm going to share something with this about that importance. Um, I've, I've mentioned a couple of times my weird summer. Um, so the text, the, just to shine a light on that, the Techstars program started in January of 23. I essentially moved to Atlanta, did the commuter marriage thing, um, but two thirds of the time in Atlanta, one third of the time here in New Orleans, living out of Airbnbs in very, you know, changing places sometimes during the same stay and finished the program like on such a high 50th birthday. Yeah. Um, killed it at the demo day offers of investment that were beyond our dreams. And I got diagnosed with stage one breast cancer and that happened literally within a matter of two weeks, three weeks. I did not know what I was going to do. I had my community of my team. I had the community of tech stars. I had this real fear though, of what showing vulnerability would be of saying to anyone in any of my spaces and accept and accelerated in my family and my friends, my personal life demonstrating, you know, I got a vulnerability here and it's one I've never tackled before. To find that community to be able to lean upon in that moment in those moments was truly remarkable, like gave me strength and resilience and insight and support at a time that I, I really needed it. I am so proud to say here we are September 1st. My diagnosis was on May 11th. My, my surgery was on June 2nd. And as of August 29th, I'm finished with treatment and I am I'm disease free. So it was a weird summer, man. That was a weird summer. Boy, am I grateful to the to the community of scientists and oncologists and the remarkable, remarkable team of doctors that I have. Yeah, that community. I remember us preparing for this conversation yeah. and then, and just your willingness to be vulnerable to share that not only with me but obviously in the preparation of sharing that with the audience. And so. Yeah. I celebrate you. I'm cheering for you. Yeah. And I know that our audience members who who may have similar narrative and stories of things they've navigated or are currently navigating um, to yeah. lift you up and to celebrate you in that. Thank you. I also Thank want to you. make sure to, to pull out some 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 threads here. When you talk about the, the metaphor of being lonely at the top, right? Yeah. One of the things that I wrote down is it's, you know, it's it's one thing from an organizational 
chart to say, yes, obviously there's less people running the top of the organization. Mm-hmm. If it's if it's not a uh, an ecosystem of an org, mm-hmm. your traditional org structure. But also when you think about folks being new to those roles, when you think about you being new to the, the tech world, yeah, um, is, uh, is there an additional sense of loneliness because the imposter syndrome is setting in and, and you're you're, you know, wanting to hold that comfort of at least presenting like oh, yeah. you have a sense of what you're doing or what you know. And so imposter syndrome was one of the pieces yeah. that, that that stood out to me. You know, the, the other piece is the willingness to be vulnerable. And I think that has resonated more, not only in terms of this conversation, but just in this kind of chapter or version that I've been in in my life, because I think early my perception of what leadership was and even going in a different lane, but still very much in alignment with the definition of what it meant to be a man. Yes. Um, that you couldn't be vulnerable or mm-hmm. be perceived as less than in both of those categories amongst others oh, yeah. uh, on, on identities. And so in this phase of life, in this chapter of life, I almost feel as though myself and others often will be looked at in a more positive light if and when we choose to be vulnerable. And sometimes our people just want to see us as humans. They they know we're human. Yeah. They inherently know we we navigate challenges. There are things we don't know. We make mistakes. We take calculated risks that don't always work out. Um, mm-hmm. And we navigate really tough times in life, which you just shared and we're willing to share. But it's that notion of I think there can be a positive way to, to really look at vulnerability now and into the future. And it's not to say that there aren't audience members out there who haven't, but I just really think that it's it's kind of been positioned in this way uh, that suggests maybe less than uh, in terms of perception if you're if you're willing to just be vulnerable with people. I agree with you so a million percent about this. And I've been thinking about this a lot and not just in terms of my illness, but in terms of going through you know, again, starting a nonprofit out of nothing, starting a, a tech company out of a little bit more than nothing, but not much more, right? There are moments of real fear, of real doubt, of that imposter syndrome. Walking into that first day of Techstars, seeing 20 other people who, in my mind, had accomplished so much more than I had, had so much more knowledge, were speaking a language that I was I'm like, I will never get fluency or understanding or barely anything like to walk into that space and to say, no, I'm going to stick and stick this out. A lot of that was because I saw that honesty and that vulnerability and that authenticity in the other founders that they made that OK. I will also say this as, as you know, gray hair. I'm a very much a Gen Xer. I think that millennials and Gen Zers are so much better at having authentic and vulnerable conversations and relationships. And frankly, they have that expectation. I think that that is one of the ways that our leadership broadly will have to change in the future. And as something of like, it's something of a tangent, but but really this, my two favorite TV shows this summer have been the second season of The Bear on, on Hulu and the third season of Reservation Dogs. Both of those shows are just mind-blowingly good. But a part of the reason I love those two so much is because the a major theme through both of them is people allowing themselves to be vulnerable and authentic and to do that in ways that not only has society told us, whether you're a man or your leader or whatever, like that's not cool, that they're doing. 
and that they're doing with each other. And they're in a way modeling that, no, you can have these conversations and still have these roles that you play, still set appropriate boundaries, but that we can be that. And that that's not a negative thing in leadership. If anything, I think that grows your team. Hashtag agree. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. So we've covered our first two moments um, that have had extraordinary impact on how you show up in space as a leader. Leadership is like surfing and then the importance of community. So we're going to pivot to our, our last leadership moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is kind of phrased, you might be right. Uh, and I've been added the value of an open mind. So again, yeah. the keys over to you to unpack the narrative yeah. um, and how has it shaped you as a leader? Sure. This one is so fresh. This one is so new. I recently was interviewed for another podcast called You Might Be Right, and it's hosted by two former governors of Tennessee, a Republican and a Democrat, and it's named after a famous quote by um, former statesman Howard Baker, and the Public Policy School at University of Tennessee is named after Howard Baker. And his famous quote was, you got to be open-minded. You have to listen to the other side because you never know, like, they might be right. And he's often, he often, before his passing, talked about being open-minded enough to listen and to hear, oh, there's something to be gained. They actually might be right on this one. Now, the flip of that point, too, that he makes is, and they might be wrong. Listening to someone carefully can also help you bolster your own argument or that your thoughts, like really listening to someone like, okay, I gave them that respect. We had good feedback, but that clarifies my own point even further. I've always tried to be open-minded, but I'm not all the time. And I have to constantly push myself. It is so easy for me to make a snap idea and sit with that and not push myself past interrogating that snap idea or judgment. And I think preparing for that conversation and in being in community with those guys and talking through just like we did prayer for this really reminded me of the of the real value of being open-minded. I think that's also to say too that refresher courses on your leadership happen daily. All of these things I'm talking about are fairly recent in part because I try to constantly refresh what it feels like to be a leader, what it is to be a leader. I try to not forget what I've done before, but not lean on that all the time always. And that that podcast, You Might Be Right, that open-mindedness was really helpful for me in thinking about that. And, and yeah, I just, I so enjoyed having that conversation because as they pointed out, they started that podcast because they could see how difficult conversations, how, especially in public policy, things that people feel very passionately about can swing really hard one way or the other, that we can hear one word, phrase, see an eye roll, a grimace, whatever, and interpret that as you've put up the barrier and now my barriers are completely up as well. And the conversation with them, listening to that podcast, thinking about it and the continued conversation since then remind me that being open-minded, being willing to be challenged, being willing to think about your ideas, that's huge. That's huge. And that's a very valuable and important thing, I think, in leadership. I concur. And the piece that I wrote down in relationship to, you know, you might be right in having the open mind. It's it's open mind and an open heart. Because sometimes with the heart, we are holding on to things historically that we have the inability to move beyond. Yeah. So, we, while we would intend to have an open mind about things, we've got to let it move through all of our being if we truly want to pivot. And then I think the other piece I wrote is within the consideration of a pivot, 
as leaders, I think sometimes we have to uh, remind ourselves and remind those that are in our care that we still have the right to change our mind and yes. it after uh, taking in and being open yes. to different perspectives yes. and different information. Um, and so I wanted to to bring that piece to Thank life. You. And then the last one, which I know I've, I've said in, in other episodes, is as one has the ability, as you referenced, to not just hold yourself to the leadership philosophies and tactics and things that you've done historically because you did it yesterday and it worked yesterday, but also this sense of of self-evaluation and the value of that. Because even Mm -hmm. in terms of thinking about a leadership philosophy and a framework, it doesn't mean that in every situation, those same frameworks will always work because they won't always work in every scenario and they don't always work the same with different people that have different backgrounds and different perspectives and different feelings uh, in regards to what you're navigating. And so those pieces really, really um, resonated with me. So one of the things that it made me think about was about a month ago or so, I was in one of my classes, uh, which is focusing on diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice within organizational leadership. And again, as a person who has fashioned themselves off of being passionate about leadership and studying it, you know, reading it, I, I came in with this sense that I knew stuff. Like I, I'm, I'm good. I'm gonna be, you know, and I've been working and I've been an active leader. Like I know this mm-hmm. stuff. The reality that I had to face with seeing it through epistemologies from a research lens of well, what I have fastened to uh, as as what I know about leadership is very much what our system of life has been built out of. Um, it is very much through a lens of white male and dominant. And so I had to then recognize, okay, well, this is what I've called leadership. And here are some of the other traits that I've had, but I didn't know what to call them. But now as I start looking through not only critical theory, but critical race theory, as I, I start looking through black feminism, um, as, I, as I start to be exposed to these variations of, of epistemologies and lenses, it then challenged me to go back and reflect on experiences that I've had thus far as a leader. One of our assignments did, and within that, you're saying, okay, well, when this happened, this is how you saw it. Now that you've been exposed to these other frames, not only should you challenge yourself to look back at that same experience through your own lens, but now you also need to challenge yourself to look at the experience from the lens of those that were involved. And and, and yep. so when you talk about this notion of, of, of thinking through how to continue to be open minded about growing as a leader, that that really resonated with me. through yeah. that experience. Thank you for that. The second point that you made about being open mind to learning, you know, I think we can all say we all acknowledge like things in our political discourse have, has really changed quite a bit during our lifetime lifetimes, right? And I'm a little bit older. That is not to say it was good before, right? Like I'm not going to shine like pretty rose colored light. Uh, That's not how the world was. However, the discourse and how we talk about each other, how we frame things very much has changed. And it kind of makes me crazy that somehow in the political framework, a leader pivoting from learning more, right? is seen as flip-flopping or you're changing money. You're not consistent. Like we should be allowed to learn things and to evolve as leaders, as people involved with anything, right? Now, you don't want every day to be a wildly new journey, right? Like there's got, there's consistency is important. But again, to say I had one idea when I was a child, that will be the only idea forever. Or as a leader, when I first came in or whatever, like, I think that's a really, really bad thing. 
That's a really bad thing. And especially we work in an industry where people will continue to be younger than us, right? We will age. And for the most part, they stay the same age. They just go to college. If we as leaders aren't open-minded to hearing their new experiences, their new perspectives, their different contexts, we will be left behind so fast that not only will we not be good leaders, we won't be in leadership positions anymore. We will stick ourselves in the mud forever and the world will go by us. That's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. Let me add that the the organizations that we are in position to lead may not be, they may not exist either if we don't do that. So that's a million percent true. Our jobs, frankly, this professional ecosystem of college admissions, we got to do a better job at listening to our customers. And by that, I mean, people between the ages of 15 and 25. I, I think having that ability is part of leadership. So for our guests, we've had the chance to, again, walk through leadership is like surfing, the importance of community. You might be right, the value of an open mind. And we've walked through some other hues that are connected to those mm-hmm. with preparation, decisiveness. Um, we've worked through what it means to navigate imposter syndrome, to process the value of having community of folks where you have some similarity. Um, we've talked about the value of listening and observing, having an open mind and open heart um, to reflect on, but not sit on our marrows in terms of leadership, but to continue to grow and evolve. Um, And the last piece, which is very specific and accurate when it comes to the work that we do uh, in higher education is, is those that we are intending to serve, the main purpose behind what we do will in many ways continue to be within some of our age regions while those that are responsible for for leading the organizations in a variety of different capacities will not. And so we need to have that ability to be flexible, to adjust uh, and to make sure that we are we are listening to them. We are, are taking in new information and as we need to pivoting appropriately. So yeah. so thank you so much for thank that. You. So we're at that last piece where you know, this is, is an opportunity to to connect directly with the audience. And so, you know, as we navigate our own journeys of leadership through these powerful critical moments, you know, sometimes we we hop upon these these wisdom traits that we want to share. And so are there any words of wisdom uh, that you would, would care to share and reflect on for our audience? Yeah. In and this just to throw you a curveball, I'm going to do something different than what we talked about, because I've been thinking about that. This is, this is a moment of leadership that was not recent, but really has stuck with me. And these are words that I absolutely live by. And that's, if you see it, you are responsible. A million years ago, so 2006, 2007, I was working at the Bishop's School in La Jolla, California, and walking across this really stunning, stunning, stunningly beautiful campus. It looks like a Four Seasons. It's gorgeous. So walking across campus with a student who was then a junior, his name was Zeeland Hoover. And we were just chatting, walking across campus, and he saw some garbage on the ground and he stopped and he picked it up. And I thanked him. Oh, thanks so much. That was very kind of you. And he very offhandedly was like, oh, there's nothing to thank me for. If you see something, you're just responsible for it. I really paid attention to other people on campus after that moment, but mostly the adults that 
who else would have seen that that napkin blowing across campus who didn't stop and pick it up then? How much time and effort does it take just to stop and pick up something? What's the impact of doing that, right? Because it's part of it's like, what is that big of a deal, right? Well, here's how this could have been a big deal. And that's never, ever, ever left my head. In part, I now have the habit of anywhere I go, if there's garbage, I will always stop and pick it up. Not that I did for them, but really intent. And that's challenging in a city like New Orleans sometimes. But more broadly, if you are a witness to something, you have a certain responsibility to that as well. And Zeeland has grown up to become one of the best leaders I've seen in any way, shape, or form, and that kid's going to run for Senate someday, and he's going to win, and he's going to be remarkable. But it was that moment of the 16-year-old just very casually, oh, if you see it, you're responsible for it. So those are my words, leadership. If you see it, you're responsible. That is quite the end to conclude our dialogue today. Uh, it resonates a lot as as you were, were sharing that, and I hope to include that in a way that I I think and move and, and challenge the people that are in my care to lead. Uh, oftentimes, when you see it, but you feel like your plate is already full and you think about the, the leadership mm -hmm. context, um, there are a lot of different excuses you can come up with why that shouldn't be your responsibility and why you taking mm -hmm. it on uh, takes the responsibility and accountability from someone else. But in that right. moment, it shouldn't matter. And so I really appreciate you. Yes reflecting on that and shout out to to the the student who's become yeah. the leader because that's awesome oh this kid just to like really shout this kid out you want to talk about leap of leap of faith and leadership so he graduated from or high school high school in 2007 decided to take a gap year packed up his car in san diego knew nobody drove to chicago showed up at the obama for president office <laughs> where it was just one small office and was like, I'm here to do work and slept on a floor for a month, took that gap year, helped the inauguration. That kid was just on it. But he took that leap of faith. And I, I just admire, I admire anyone who can do that. Me too. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, Marie, thank you for taking the time to share your, your wisdom, you. to be vulnerable and to bless our, our audience with a glimpse inside your world, a glimpse inside of your experiences, your journey, the adversity you've overcome through the lenses of powerful leadership moments. Um, we so appreciate you. And I'm just so grateful that you, you're willing to join our show today. I'm honored to be here, really. I'm truly honored to be here. And I'm looking forward to seeing you at NACAC and to hug and to, to thank you for this opportunity. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, to our guest, as you transition to work, or home from work as you head into lunch or transitioning between meetings, as you transition into professional development time you have for yourself each day or each week, or as you transition between work and time with yourself and loved ones, let's reflect on and consider incorporating what we've learned through the extraordinary impactful leadership moments in our lives today. Thank you for tuning in to the Hughes of Leadership podcast. And remember to ask yourself, what Hughes will I use today and which will I seek to further develop? Thank you. Thank you.